You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz, only on WRSE. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And you're listening to the nationally award-winning Blue Jay Boys show. Sorry for us starting a little late today. We were having some technical difficulties. We were working on a bunch of new stuff for our show, but the station isn't really working with us tonight. So we may have to postpone all that stuff till next week. But we've got a lot of cool stuff that we think will make the experience of the show a little bit better. But put that aside, we got a great show for you guys today. Uh... The NFL world has a lot of big news coming out of it today, coming out of the Combine, so we'll talk to you guys about free agency and the Combine today. Uh, we had another awesome week of the XFL, uh, probably the best one yet, honestly. By far. Um, so we're going to give you guys a rundown about that. Uh, we'll take a quick break. we got another great draft for you guys today, and then we'll talk a little NBA at the end of the show, maybe a little March Madness if we have some time. To start off, we wanted to talk about the Combine. We had a lot of guys that performed better than people were expecting. Exactly, who's your top performer in the combine this week? I mean, I think the, the guy that really blew everyone away the most was by far Anthony Richardson. The fact that he weighed in at 244 pounds at 6'4", everyone thought he wasn't going to run. He's a little heavier than we thought. You know, he was originally marked at 232, and he goes out and he still runs a 4'4". Uh, then he goes to the throwing you know, just the straight go routes, and he's throwing 60, 65 yard just missiles. I'd say him, our boy, we were talking about before the show, Blake Freeland, tackle at BYU, has the same vertical jump as, you know, Kobe Bryant at 37 inches. I know Kobe's was 39, but. Too, too short of Kobe. I mean, set the record for the lineman broad jump. Andrew Voorhees, sadly, he did tear his ACL doing drills, but he then went out and was. No knee, then benched 30, uh, 225, 38 times. Uh, our fellow Chicagoan out of Northwestern, I cannot pronounce his name, and it would be a war crime for how I'd mispronounce it. But <laughs> him at 290 pounds getting a 449 and then benching 30-plus times, I think that's one of the most impressive performances we'll see. And Yeah, a lot of guys, it's very impressive things. Nolan Smith at the 439 at the edge defender position. We didn't see that coming. And yeah, it was one of the better combines we've seen in a while. It was good. This is the first one in a couple of years that was full go where everything was normal. No media was there. It was great. Love to see it. Um, if you were the general manager of the Chicago Bears with the number one overall pick, after seeing the combine, does it change your mind at all about trading that number one overall pick? No, it just made it even better. Bryce Young wasn't five foot eight. He weighed in at 204 pounds. He's not 180 like people were saying. So that makes Bryce Young look even better. Now everyone is really starting to see the potential of Anthony Richardson. He's literally Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Justin Fields all combined into one, as some people are saying. That makes it even better. The price for that number one overall pick is going up by the minute. I even heard a rumbling that pace. Uh, not pace. Holes. Don't ever say that again. Don't ever say that again. Repent for my sins. <laughs> Uh, that now we can possibly get three first-round picks for that number one overall pick. So now I'm thinking double trade now. Go to from one to two, get the 12th, the second, 38th, and maybe even a pick next year, and then go to four, get the fourth, another first-round pick next year, and more assets, maybe even a player, maybe like a Michael Pittman or DeForest Buckner from the Colts. 
And then maybe go down even more to seven. Now that Anthony Richardson looks so great, he's worth a top ten pick. And Will Levis looked good. He showed off his cannon that he was this, you know, even though he's deathly scared of milk, as people were saying. He puts mayonnaise in his coffee. That's all I need to say about Will Levis. Excuse me? Yeah. Yeah, he's deathly afraid of milk for some reason, and so he puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Well, yeah. Strange, dude. I mean, this is an all-time quarterback draft, in my opinion. I would trade down two to three times and just build a, a empire of talent. And knowing polls, I mean, he's he, could, down. he could do that. I mean, yeah, like like he said, he's down to do that. He can do that. We've seen him turn uh, barely anything in Kansas to, what, 11? And even last year for us, yeah. he turned a lot into nothing. He turned five picks, no first-round pick, into a top-10 draft class. Exactly. So, I mean, we can we can do it ourselves. Um, and I feel like with having polls in the front office and ha- now having Eberflus, you know, a season in and them on the same page and knowing what they really need to Wash work on. Hands. What, Avoid uh, sick people and touching what, your um, face. There are chess pieces we need to, to move around. I think it's going to be perfect for us diseases. because... Visit I mean, and we'll get to it when we get to it, but I also think the, the Derek Carr signing, to you I think that helped us a lot, too, because I was watching a lot of videos, and they said, like, that that kind of let polls know that, oh, it's on. Like, people are going to be asking for this pick now. Like, the, the offers are going to be endless, and, I mean, he's just going to milk everyone he can until we get what we really want for those, for that number one pick. And have these teams, like, begging on their knees for it. Yeah. I mean, we're the number one overall pick for a reason. Keeping this pick at first would do us no good because we have so many holes that we need to fill. I mean, we legitimately need a whole entire new front seven other than Jack Sanborn and, you know, Dom Robb. The rest, we could trade them off. It really wouldn't matter. We need receivers. We need offensive line. We need probably another running back. Montgomery's probably not going to get re-signed. I don't think he is. Yeah, I think he's out of here. Poles can say he loves Montgomery all he wants, but I don't think he's going to re-sign him. I would love to have David Montgomery around, but we're going to need another running back. Yeah. We need, you know, maybe later later in the draft, you know, a developmental quarterback just to have someone just in case fields, fields goes down. Uh, you know, Trevor Simeon had that season-ending injury. He's 32. We need, that's something we need to, to look at. I mean, trading down would by far be our best It's only good going up from here. Stay tuned for more rock uh, with how good this quarterback draft, as you were saying, is looking, is there any chance that you think those rumors that people were starting about possibly trading Justin Fields, is there any more truth to them now, now that this looks like an even better class than we already thought? No. Justin Fields is our guy. He's our undisputed leader. What he did last year with what he had around him was absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, literally one throw here and there, he, he was already ninth in MVP voting despite being on the worst team in the league. That's unseen. He only played 15 games, and he had 1,100 rushing yards. That was only because he had to. That's not. He's not even a run-first quarterback. He's a pass-first quarterback. Some of the throws that we saw him make on a game-to-game basis, those moon missiles that he would throw every game, like one to Bayless Jones or the one to, you know, Komet. Uh, that Mooney, St. Brown. That Pettis throw against the Commanders is one of the most impressive throws I've ever seen. 
he had Montero Sweat literally digging his helmet into his ribs while he threw that. It was a 50-yard on the money. He's our guy. I think his ceiling is still higher than any of the quarterbacks in this draft, even Anthony Richardson. We have to remember Anthony Richardson is also rawer than a $2 steak. And, you know, Bryce Young is very little. I'm not – he can, he's Steph Curry with the football, but we're playing football here. Yeah. It's a physical game. I hear his voice. I, I hear a 12-year-old girl speak. He's not very physically impressive. Levis didn't have a single good year of production. Um, Stroud is Fields' dorky cousin. Fields is still our guy. One of the main reasons why I say this QB draft is so good, it's not so much the guys at the front. It's the guys at the back. Usually the guys getting drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh round are guys that started one year, small school. And this year in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, we got Stetson Bennett, who's won two straight national championships and has been the most dominant college football playoff player we've ever seen other than Joe Burrow. We got DTR, who's UCLA's all-time leading passer, five years of being a starter, great whatever reason is getting slept on we got max duggan who just won the maxwell award and led his team to the playoffs is arguably the toughest player in this draft uh malik cunningham out of louisville looked great in the combine too yeah malik cunningham uh aiden o'connell who you know he led purdue he made purdue relevant again he can sling it he's just 25 has that terrible mustache the guys at the bottom of this draft are what I really think make this QB class so special. The guys at the bottom of this draft, I'd take over the guys at the beginning of last year's draft. Yeah, I'm taking Stetson and DTR over, you know, Ritter and Pickett and Malik Willis. I think the Titans are going to cut Malik Willis. I would. These guys at the end, they're going to you know be backups, but they're eventually going to get their shot one way or another, and they're going to surprise a lot of people, I feel. Do you think it would be worth it to draft one of those guys as the Bears at the end of a draft? Definitely. You know, Fields, you know, he's taking a lot of damage. We don't know how, how that's affecting his body. You know, he did have a hip injury to end the season. It's never a bad thing to, you know, have a backup, you know. Fields isn't an athletic guy. All those guys I just named are th- more athletic. It, it doesn't never has really made sense to me that we've had Fields as our quarterback and look at the back of us we've had. We've had Foles, we've had Dalton, we've had Simeon, Peterman. Quarterbacks are exact opposite style. If Fields were to go down, we'd have to completely retool our offense just to, like, put out a decent performance. We have guys like that that do have a little bit of athleticism to them, a little bit more the new style, dual threat type. It would be if Fields were to go down. I hope he never goes down, but we'd be in a much better spot. And, you know, if we're going to have 12 picks, 15 picks, by the way, looking, if we trade down, yeah, it doesn't hurt. You know, it's always good to have a good backup. Um, last week we talked a little bit about the possibility of getting a guy like Devontae Adams or a guy like DeAndre Hopkins in this draft uh, through trading. Um, do you think, you know, kind of going off those rumors of Jeff Fields, do you think there's more ability now to get that type of guy out of this draft? To be honest, if they're watching this combine, I don't want those guys. I want Jackson's Smith named Jigba, baby. He looked great. We all forget he had 350 yards in a Rose Bowl. Against Utah, it was a very good defense. Had multiple NFL players on that defense, such as Devin Lloyd, first-round pick. 
I want Njigba. That's his. That's Fields' guy. If we're gonna have all these picks, we have the freedom to go trade trade back in the first round after acquiring ten picks. I want Njigba. You put Njigba with Mooney and Claypool. You got a big receiver in Claypool, who I think is gonna have a much better season. I don't think he's gonna you know tear the roof off, but I think he's gonna have a much better season. Yeah, because he'll have more time to have meshed with our offense, and exactly. Especially with Justin, and I mean. Getting someone like Njigba, and I was just going to talk about this, even though he didn't run the 40-yard dash, his field workouts were incredible. Oh, yeah. They looked especially good because a lot of the other wide receivers' field workouts did not look good. Yeah. That was one of the worst parts of the combine was the wide receiver field workouts. Yeah. This isn't a strong receiver draft. Yeah, this it, is not a strong receiver free agent class either. Yeah, it's really not. And, I mean, with him, like, obviously he's – like, not our one, but he's definitely our two, especially because um, I watched his field workouts, and they really talked about how he really loved his, um, like, little 10-yard um, whip routes and stuff, yeah. and how he's just, like, he loves those little quick and in-and-out routes, and, like, that's where he dominates the game. And if you look at his tape, that is literally where he dominated the yeah. game the whole season. Yeah. And that I think that is something really crucial that we need because if now that – these like teams know that now we have Claypool with Justin Fields on a whole offseason together yeah. and now, you know, a whole summer and then a whole preseason. Now people have to actually worry about something, especially once we add to our roster the pieces that we're missing, because now they have to worry about him being the biggest body on the field if we don't go out and get anyone from free agency. Right. And high pointing the ball. But also. Worrying about if we do get in Jigba, worrying about how quick and shifty he is with those 10 yard routes, five yard routes, and him breaking free in open space and killing everyone and leaving them in the dust. You know, like I think in Jigba would fit this offense so perfectly. And I think it's worth trading and getting the picks and bargaining for it and just taking him, even if we did, you know, how Cycle said we dropped down to seven because I feel like that's worth it. Adding to our core. And then really just then after that, stacking up on a secondary running back, a secondary quarterback later in the rounds, some old linemen that we really need, free agency or in the draft, you know? D-line, rebuild the yeah. trenches. I mean, I think we're going to be able to get both Javon Hargrave and Draymond Jones. That will be our perfect one technique and three technique. We have Jones behind to back up Draymond. We can easily draft a, another nose tackle, maybe like that uh, Keanu Benton, or that Kalijah Yancey from Pitt, who looks like a dog. Aaron Donald 2.0. <laughs> Let him learn behind Hargrave. We build that. We get we trade back. Say we say we just stick at four. Get Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. Fine with either one of those two. Tyree Wilson, he I like that. You know he had a little foot injury. He'll be fine for his pro day. Nolan Smith wouldn't be bad either. Yeah, he didn't wanted, mean to cut you off, but look, you're good. Nolan Smith would I be agree. amazing. But he still wanted to participate. In the bench press, because that was one thing he can do, and he goes out and he gets 34 reps. I appreciate that. He's 6'7", 275 with arms the size of a Christmas tree. <laughs> I'm fine with him, either, too. Then we've rebuilt our defensive line in three moves. In the second round, you go out and you get a right tackle or a center, like, you know, John Michael Spender or Olison Oluwatimi. Oluwatimi would be perfect. Or maybe even a Luke Weipler, just to give Fields some familiarity. And... Like, we have a tight end. Like, Cole Komet, we forget. Cole Komet's still only 23. He's played three years for us. He had over 50 catches of 500 yards and six, seven touchdowns last year in the most run-dominant offense in the league. We have a legit guy at tight end. 
We use one of those later picks to pair him up with another guy. This is a legendary tight end class. We have three or four tight ends that could go in the first round. Luke Musgrave, Michael Mayer, DeAndre. uh, Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington, yeah, not DeAndre. And uh, Dalton Kincaid. Will Will Mallory performed really well in the combine. Yeah, Mallory, yeah. Miami guy. Mm -hmm. That's why I showed him up. He did. I saw. I saw. uh, I turned it on. He was on. He looked pretty good. But pairing him, honestly, like biasedly, pairing him with Darnell Washington would probably be the best. Yeah. Because then we don't have to rely on Komet to be that sixth lineman, like he says, and block yeah. when we have him, and then Komet could just go out and just catch. You know? and that's that's perfect, Josh, because Darnell Washington said he's like Mercedes Lewis. Yes. Mercedes Lewis is in our offense. Yes. He plays for Green Bay. So that works. It's just I don't <laughs> think he's going to be around. Because I think he was like a kind of like a late first, early second type of guy, but after seeing what he did, like he literally just like put his hands on that sled like, all these art tight ends were, they were giving it their all, and they put their head in there, and <laughs> put their nose. DeAndre Washington just said, all right. And he literally just, like, dog walked. It. Yeah, like he, he, he moved like, it with one hand. It basically. was, like, yeah. just like a walk in the park. And he moved to, like, ten yards. Everyone else got, like, three. <laughs> and, like, he wasn't even moving his feet. He was just, yeah, like, Yeah, he did, walking. like, half the steps that the other guys like, were doing. It was doing just, like, it was like, Mike, it was like a Michael Orr moment. <laughs> yeah, like, Blind he took side. three steps, and the sled moved perfectly. And the the... The two commentators kept saying, like, you're not supposed to, like, lift it as high because the back of the sled is where it's, like, the, the steepest and slanted more, and it just slows down. Yeah, he didn't care. And he, like, Darnell Washington didn't move, like, stand up with it, but my God, like, he moved it five yards in three steps. It was like, impressive. it was insane. So, yeah, you had another tight end. You know, this year we had Ryan Griffin. We had Trayvon Wesco as our de facto fullback, and that was it. Other than commit, we didn't have any other tight end. When you can throw out two tight ends that make a difference in the game, that's huge. The Patriots, what they used to do with mm-hmm. Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. It's it's important stuff. I mean, if we can just stockpile these picks, hit in free agency, I don't see why we can't make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. They got $120 gazillion, jillion dollars. We're going to have, if we do pull off those two trades, we're going to have... 12 to 15 picks and picks next year. And this whole trading fields thing is even more relevant because if we do get picks next year for trading them one overall pick, if safe fields regresses, which I I don't think he won't. I think he'll have a top five MVP voting type season. We can then go trade those picks and go get Caleb Williams the next year. Or, you know, uh, Drake May, someone like that. If we trade back, that will only put us in a better position. It will only help us be able to build our football team and put us in a better spot. Uh, kind of focusing less on the Bears and going back to, you know, the quarterbacks, um, I wanted to ask you guys, if you were the Texans, the Raiders, and the Colts, which quarterback are you looking at from each of those franchises' perspectives? The Texans, I'm taking Anthony Richardson. I mean, that – that's who I'd probably feel more comfortable with because I know he's a big body. He won't get hurt as easily if we throw him in. And um, I feel like he, I feel like he's, well, obviously every football player is a hands-on learner. You're going to get better with repetition, but I feel like Anthony Richardson just takes it to a whole nother level with him. Like if he does it, he does it perfect and he just keeps doing it perfect. And I mean, that's just what I've seen, you know? And 
I mean, he has his moments where he, you know, has he messes up here and there when he was at Florida during the season. But, I mean, I think if I'm the Texans GM, I'm taking Anthony Richardson and letting him, you know, go the whole summer workout, preseason, yada, 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 and possibly even throwing him in into all of my preseason games and just letting him build up the confidence and experience in, in a faster-paced, you know, football game and letting him really just you know, get used to it and then evaluate that and then like hopefully start him week one, you know, because I feel like taking the chances on a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young where they're not as tall or as big as Anthony Richardson, you run a bit more risk, especially with the talks of what Tunsil talking about getting traded or not, you know, and losing him would hurt the Texans way more than not drafting a quarterback. Because that is the your biggest protection on your line right now on the edge, and if you lose someone like him, you're there's no point in even drafting quarterback. You keep Mills back there, let him get killed, you know. So I mean, if I'm the Texans, I'm taking Richardson. If I'm the Raiders, I'd probably take a Stenson Bennett. I feel like pairing him. It's not I, gonna happen. I, no, I, I love him. But no, yeah, but I like if they were able to even so get him. Are you saying that you think they would wait to get a quarterback instead of taking one of the ones at the top? I like that idea. I I I probably think so, and I think a sense of Bennett would honestly fit well with the Raiders because that team is like they're not young; they're all the only, older guys. The problem and, with that is the offensive line's bad. If you're gonna have a smaller guy back there, you're gonna need to. Yeah, but I mean, I feel Especially like if you lose like a Colton Miller or something. Yeah, too. I'm more in the boat that the Raiders shouldn't use a first round pick on a quarterback because their defense is terrible. They don't have an offensive line. Go out and get you got Josh McDaniels. Go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo would be just fine that offense. Go draft a Paris Johnson with your first pick, or like a defensive player, like a Tyree Wilson or someone like that, or you know, DB because their DBs are terrible, and then. Maybe draft a guy in the second or get Hennon Hooker or something like that. That dude, now that I think about it, I forgot he was in the combine. Because if Hennon Hooker didn't tear his ACL, he would get, he'd be a first round pick. He played great the last two years. 2021, he was the most underrated quarterback in the league this year, or in the league, the country. This year, we saw how good he truly is. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, no one's the same after ACL tear, but Saquon had an amazing year after coming back from an ACL injury. Yeah. He's a so, I mean, what's – and he's young. Hayden Hooker's young, and this is the thing that people forget. Like, yes, an ACL injury is very devastating, but being so young, your body is able to heal a lot better and faster, yeah. you know? And he's more he's more of a pocket passer than people give him credit for. Exactly, and I feel like if you pair someone like him with a good arm that he showed against Alabama with a Devontae Adams if they keep him, and who's their tight end? I forgot. Um, Darren Waller. Darren Waller, who's tall as crap. Yeah. Like, that. that's a really good offense that can slowly progress. I'm not talking about Super Bowl, obviously, but that is slow progression that's just going to improve and improve. Yeah. I mean, Josh Jacobs had an amazing season, led the league in rushing, and I believe touchdowns as well behind that bad offensive line. They go out and they get a lineman or two, pair them with Dylan Parham and Colton Miller. Because that, that was their only consistent part of that line was the left side. Mm-hmm. They go and they get a center, maybe, you know, Olusenovo-Timi in the second or third round. That's going to be a good offense. You still got Hunter Renfro. 
you know, obviously Adams and Waller, if, those, if Waller can stay healthy. You get a guy like Jimmy G in there. You know, you sure have the defense, and you have the young quarterback behind Jimmy G when, you know, he probably gets hurt. And I think you're looking pretty decent. The only problem with the Raiders is they might be compelled to go and trade up to number one, number two, three, four, something like that, just because they have Mahomes, Herbert, and Wilson in their division. So you got to have someone that can go toe-to-toe with those guys. That's the only reason why I think they would move up to pick a quarterback. And then finally, with the Colts, um, you know, with that number four overall pick, do you think that they're the most likely candidate to jump up to the number one? They're desperate. To be honest, I feel like the Texans are more so in an area where they don't care if they get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. I have heard things saying that they really want one guy, and they're definitely willing to go up to number one, but I've, they have a defensive-minded head coach. And I, he also said that he didn't make a weird comment saying we already have a quarterback. So I'm not too sure on what the Texans want. But I, I don't think Davis Mills is the answer. But Domingo Ryans was originally with the Texans when they turned it around. People wanted them to draft a quarterback. They said, no, we had Matt Schaub. And that eventually worked. He led the league in passing. They made the playoffs, won their division two, time, two years in a row. And they became you know, a good, good organization. I think more so. I think for whatever reason, I have a weird feeling they like C.J. Stroud. I could see that happening, and like Stegley said, like I feel like the Colts right now are really desperate, and I feel like the Texans just don't really care who they get. But I feel like the Colts really are probably when the time comes, like the end of the month this month, they're really going to be begging the Bears, and I mean the Bears need to see them bleeding. And really attack and take, like, the prey. Get your mercy all liquored up and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, go for Michael Pittman, the Forrest Buckner, the Forrest Buckner, Quentin Nelson, like we talked about before, whatever, you know. Really drain them of what they have, give them what they want, and just keep loading up. And maybe move, not move down past seven, but, you know, just keep moving and get these teams all excited about, oh, we have this. What are you going to give us, you know? And I think right now, like, I kind of agree with him. I think a C.J. Stroud is what they're really eyeballing right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the most the Colts will give for that number one overall pick? I think this year they'll give up the fourth, a second, and a third, and then they'll give up a first and second next year with maybe a player. But that's pushing it. Yeah. But I think the three picks this year, then the first and second next year. I think that's the most they'll be willing because just based off how desperate. Because on normal years you wouldn't give up that much to go three spots, mm-hmm. but based on how desperate oh, they are, the Bears. yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. I mean, I think earlier when we were talking about this in past shows, I thought it would make a lot more sense to go get one of those players. But now that I'm really like looking at the Colts roster and how they're thinking, I feel like they think they're you know, an inch away from winning that division and being in the playoffs. They're probably thinking they're a quarterback away from winning that division. So I think it's going to be a lot harder to get one of those players than a lot of people think it is because they feel like they're that close. And with how, you know, much this quarterback class has jumped since just the combine, I think they're going to be saying, 
you know, I could get any of these top three. I don't think they're as desperate as you guys think. That. I think they're kind of thinking the same as the Texans. I don't care which one I get. I just want one of them. So I think we could still get a bunch of picks, but I don't think we can get any players anymore. The only reason why I think they're so desperate is because, first off, it's just how bad it's been since luck is gone. It's Jim Irsay we're talking about here. <laughs> you know, if things get a little tough, he's going to do something wacky. And the way their GM was talking about it in the press conference a couple months ago, it sounded like Ursay was talking through him. It was like more so Ursay saying, if you don't get this guy or this guy, and it, this season isn't a you know, division-winning season, you're out of here. I think they're desperate. Their fans are desperate. They've felt that they've been a quarterback away all these years. They still have this offensive line. It's still, on paper, very solid. You know, Shaq Leonard, Darius Leonard, was out most of the year last year. They got a pro bowler in Kenny Moore and DeForest Buckner. They feel that they should win this division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like we're saying, I think you're right. I think it's a quarterback way. I, just, I don't think they're as desperate to pinpoint that quarterback as much. Um, let's keep it moving on over to the free agency side of things uh, of the offseason and talk about some of the re-signings that happened today and some of the new signings that happened yesterday. First, let's start with yesterday. Derek Carr signs with the New Orleans Saints, uh, $150 million, 100 guaranteed of it. How did Derek Carr do this? How did the Saints do this? I'm fine with the Saints signing Derek Carr. You know, they were able to go 6-8 and eight with Andy Dalton. I think Derek Carr is a lot better than Andy Dalton at this point. I'm fine with him signing the player, but the contract is insane. Considering the fact the Saints don't have cap space. They've been doing this dead cap thing every year where they start the year 40, 40 million over the cap, and then they do a bunch of stuff, and then next year they'll be 60 over. So they already didn't have the cap space, but they made it. They did their wacky practices that are eventually going to be similar to the Rams. And they gave them four years, $150 million. The Saints think they're going to be contenders every year. They're not. This defense is declining by the day. Every player on this defense is over 30. Cam Jordan's over 30. Tyron Matthews is over 30. Demario Davis is over 30. David Onyemata is over 30. Vladimir is getting close to 30. I believe he's like 28 now. On offense, tomorrow's getting up there in age. Thomas looks like he's on his way out. The offensive line is receding. Other than... Olave and Rashid Shahid, this offense doesn't have a whole lot to it. The only reason why I think they could make the playoffs next year is because, you know, they're in the AFC South. I What I thought they were going to do, I thought, I thought they were going to give Carr like a one-year, like $20 million deal, 25 The fact Derek Carr was able to get $100 million guaranteed from the Saints, good for him. But I think they get better with Derek Carr, but... I think they overpaid. How long, and I, I know that obviously they think this could be like a four-year thing, but how long do you think this marriage lasts? And do you think it actually lasts four years? Two years. Yeah, I'd say two years at the max. I just, I can't see this team getting better. They have no cap space. They don't have many draft picks. They're old. Very, very old. 
This defense is declining. Everyone still thinks they have a top-tier defense. This defense is old. I mean, I think, you know, they could go 8-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and, and win the division, but is it really – was it worth giving up all that? Not really. I think this team should have just done a full rebuild. I thought they should have traded their veterans and stocked picks and, you know, drafted a quarterback next year. I think they could have traded back into the first round this year and got a quarterback if they wanted to. With how much talent they have in veterans, like you, you just named off their entire defense and their offensive guys that could get you value. Yeah, but they don't have like a, their own first round pick. They got the 29th. I'm not taking you know the 29th and Cam Jordan for you know the fourth pick. No, but you could trade some of those other picks in the future. You could, I mean, if if. This quarterback class is as good as people think it could be. I think it's worth it to trade some other picks with that, too. Yeah, but the next one's going to be really good, too. I would have just been bad for a year. But then you can just – you have to be really bad to get really good. Mm-hmm. All great teams were really bad to get really good. I just I just don't see this working out well. Mm-hmm. When I think of the Saints, I think, oh, that hurts. Because they're so old. <laughs> Like, I just, I can just see it. Like, you know, Kamara's, first off, is probably going to get suspended because they just now found him guilty for going nuts after the Pro Bowl. And admitting to it. Yeah. So <laughs> he's going to get suspended. Thomas isn't even tradable because of his contract. The only guys really <laughs> tradable are Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, maybe one of their linemen, but then they, their old line would get even worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than Olave and Rashid Shahid, they really don't have any promising young players. Yeah. I mean, some people think like Trevor Penning could be promising, but I think he was a complete he didn't waste even of play a pick. His rookie I game. think he was a complete waste of a pick. He didn't even play. He's too busy fighting people. Oh, they also do have Jawan Johnson at tight end. That's yeah, who I forgot. Who was originally more famous for Jew and Chu on TikTok, but now is a formidable young tight end. Um, let's go over to Derek Carr's old team, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they franchise tagged Josh Jacobs. Uh, the New York Giants also franchise tagged Saquon Barkley. Do you think that these players are ever going to get big paydays or is this going to be continuous franchise tags for running backs in general moving forward? I think the Raiders will pay Josh Jacobs because they're the Raiders. They'll give him some wacky deal. It's probably a little too much. He is very deserving, but the Raiders being the Raiders, they'll overpay him. The Raiders always overpay. Carson Palmer's making like 40 mil at one point. That was like just got off the retirement from the Bengals. Carson Palmer, that was like took two years to like relearn how to play football. <laughs> the Raiders will probably overpay Jacobs because they're the Raiders. Mark Davis is Mark Davis, and he has that haircut. I love that haircut. Saquon, I feel, will either play this year on the tag and something goes wrong, or they'll pay him, they'll give him, you know, kind of what, what Derrick Henry got, you know, three years, $36 million, four, maybe $40 million with, you know, incentives. I think they'll do right by Saquon. I don't think that he's going to play this year on this franchise tag. If I were Saquon, I wouldn't play on the franchise tag because 
He's what makes that offense really go. Not Danny Dimes or Danny Dollars now. Danny Dollars. Uh, with the, you take him off this 2022 team, I think they're maybe a six-win team. He's what makes that team go. So I think they'll do right by him. And then they'll finish. By then, after those contracts are over, they'll both be kind of just discarded. Because that's sadly what happens to running backs nowadays. But I think neither one's going to get traded to the exclusive franchise tags. No one's going to give two first-round picks for a running back. I think Jacobs will end up getting overpaid, and they'll do right by Saquon. Saquon probably gets hurt in, like, year two of that deal. That's what I think is going to happen. You were talking about how you think, you know, if you're Saquon Barkley, you don't play under that franchise tag. For a guy like Josh Jacobs, who just led the league in rushing, Josh, do you think that if Saquon chose to sit out, Josh Jacobs would follow suit? It's it's hard to, like, say and predict, but obviously trying to predict. Um, I don't think he sits out. If someone like Saquon sits out, I don't think he does because I think Josh Jacobs knows that he's probably worth more than Saquon because of injury and et cetera and leading the league in rushing yards, whatever. So I think he probably goes out there and has another type of year and does even try to top the 2022 season. And then he knows that he's for sure going to make a bigger bag than every other running back. So I, I don't think with Saquon sitting out, if he plans to, Josh Jacobs follows um, because, you know, if I knew that I'm leading the league in rushing yards, touchdowns, whatever the category may be, I know that I'm going to go do it better again than myself last season and everyone else. So I know when I, when my time comes to get the money I deserve, I'm not going to hear one complaint out of anybody and say, oh, he doesn't deserve it, deserve this such money, you know, but then I'm going to be like, all right, look at my stats. It proves everything. Like, I earned this money, you know? And I feel like, like right now, I think Saquon needs to, like, obviously it's a business, but I feel like he just needs to kind of get back into that competitive nature and just be like, all right, whatever. I'm going to do him one better, and I'm going to be the, the league's leading rusher, you know? Like, kind of have, like, a different mindset other than money. I understand your life kind of evolves around it because that's how you make your living. But don't let it be at the hands of your owners and not play and barely make anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's essentially the same thing with, like, Derrick Henry now because no one knows where he's going to go, you know, because there's talks about him getting moved around and whatnot. So, I mean, like... It's just like these running backs need to start getting back into the competitive nature of things and really be like, I'm going to outrun you. I'm going to outscore you in touchdowns. I'm going to outdo you in receptions, whatever the case may be. So then when time comes, it's like I got all of these stats to back it up. You're bad. I'm better. Pay me my money. Instead of, oh, I ran the ball maybe 32 times a season. Give me my money. You know, like that's ignorant. Like, I'm not going to pay you for 32 carries with a 500 rushing yards on the season. That's bum work, you know? Like, that's just not going to cut it these days, you know? Because all of these younger running backs are killing it in college and way faster, way younger, healthier, whether or not they had an injury or not. But it's like, 
Just get back into the groove of things. Just play some football. Stop worrying about money. I understand. It, it's how you live. It's how you support your families. But, like, if you just produce, there's going to be a reward. There's not going to be a consequence. Like, you just have to just go and do what you do best. That's why you're in the NFL for a reason. You know, you're the best at this position. Prove it. Show me. Show me why I gave you this money. Show me why I gave you this tag. Show me why I drafted you. You know, why I traded for you, et cetera, whatever. You know, like, prove it to me why you deserve this money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think back to a few years ago and the whole Avion Bell situation and how quickly a Saquon Barkley holdout could turn into a Le'Veon Bell situation for him. He already survived one comeback. He already proved that this year he could come back from taking a year off after the ACL injury. I don't think he can afford to take another year off to dispute a contract. On the other hand, I think Josh Jacobs has a year to afford to dispute a new contract. And if he feels like he's worth more money than Saquon Barkley because he's a league leader in rushing – I would say I'd understand his, you know, side of things, but also I don't think it would be the smart decision for him, especially for a team like the Raiders who are this close. If you guys can't see my fingers, they're really close from a rebuild. You know, I think he should just try to get his money while he can, but I would also see it better from his point of view. Um, You were talking about how a guy like Derrick Henry could get traded uh, in this offseason. The other person who got franchise tagged uh, for running back wise was Tony Pollard, which means Ezekiel Elliott, there's a huge chance he gets cut. What are the value for those two guys in the market this offseason? So for like a Tony Pollard and and, uh, Derrick Henry, I could see the player value being a lot, especially with Derrick Henry because he's a bigger running back. He's not your get hit on the lower body and end up out like Saquon did when he played the Bears. Um, like Derrick Henry's gonna take some beating, but be okay, you know. Tony Pollard, on the other hand, you have to be careful. Right. Tony Pollard's he's franchise tag. It would be Ezekiel. Elliott. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, Ezekiel Elliott. I don't. If I'm a GM, I I don't know if I'm if I'm willing to spend the money on him. That that's just for me. That's a risk because last season. I understand both of them were in and out of the game, injuries and whatnot. Tony Pollard was still producing better numbers than Ezekiel Elliott. And and it even with Prescott out at times, Pollard was still doing better. And that, that says something because I'm pretty sure Ezekiel Elliott's Prescott is um favoring Ezekiel Elliott more in certain times. I think McCarthy was a favoriting in some moments. No, yeah, definitely. That's just Jerry Jones' guy. Yeah. He's too loyal at times. I mean, Zeke at this point is just a glorified fullback. Pollard outproduced him with way fewer carries, way fewer catches. He's a better receiver than Ezekiel. And Ezekiel has a cap hit of $16 million. You're not going to do that for your second best running back. You're not even going to do that for your first best running back. They're going to cut him, and I see him going to somewhere for one year, $3 million. That's what he's worth. I can see the Ravens because, you know, Gus Edwards is old. You got um, 
what's his face, Dobbins, who's like on the verge of tearing everything in his body and in his lower body. And then who's their third running back that is still really unsure? They had Latavius Murray for a little bit. Yeah, so it's just like I can see him ending up there. You know, I feel like they'd pay him the money, um, especially with this whole Lamar thing going on now, um, to just have us, you know, a downhill running back because, I mean, not having a – 100% 100% J.K. Dobbins is really going to kill them because he was their guy. But now it's like I remember watching videos of him at practice before they made their, like, small playoff game. Like, he was limping every drill. Like, how are you going to trust that, you know? So I could see them, you know, the Cowboys cutting uh, Zeke and the Ravens possibly taking a chance and picking him up just to have a healthy, you know, quote-unquote, running back uh, who might produce a little bit here and there for them just until, you know, Dobbins actually gets back to 100%, whatever the case may be. Um, And then with the case of Derrick Henry, uh, just quickly, what do you feel like his trade value could be after, you know, like the Christian McCaffrey deal this uh, regular season? Um, what What is, you know, Derrick Henry worth on the market? I still think he has a ton left in the tank, to be honest. I think, you know, his – decline this year was they didn't have an offensive line and he, I mean, he was still I, like he was still great this he season. was still he carried that team i mean taylor Lewan was out the whole year nate davis was out the whole year at right guard ben jones is 34 and he was out majority of the year they had Derek, no no pass game yeah none the 30 they had the 31st ranked passing game but then when tannin went out it was with malik willis that was like <laughs> 1930s <laughs> He made Justin Fields' ugly games look like Peyton Manning. <laughs> I mean, I think you can probably get a second or third for him. Maybe, maybe, maybe a first if it was like a team like the Bills or like the Chiefs. I think personally if Derrick Henry is to get traded, right now the odds-on favorite would be the Buffalo Bills because that's exactly what they need. Big downhill running because they have all these scat backs with five, six, seven Singletary James Cook is more of a receiver. I think that would be the perfect fit. Trade a second for him, and then you draft, like, a Osiris Torrance if he's still available. You plug him in at, like, a left guard spot because, you know, Roger Saffold's, like, 36. Uh, You know, put him next to Deion Dawkins. Maybe even draft the center lane. Draft Mitch Morris is, you know, four concussions in. He's always been more of a pass protector. I think that's what they need. What holds Buffalo back is they don't have – other than Josh Allen, they don't have a legitimate running game. You're in Buffalo. It's negative 20 degrees out. You need to be able to run the ball. They can't. It was a snow game against the Bengals, and they couldn't run the ball at all. You know, Josh Allen has shown in times that he's going to crumble. You need to have a somewhat of a run game to help him out. Yeah, and Dev- Devin Singletary is not going to do it anymore. Dude's old. He's a, he's a good running back. You know, he's still, you know, he's not... He's end of his first deal, so he's only like 26. He only has a couple years left. He's more of like a third down guy that's been put in the first and second down role. He's 5'6". He's not. He's a solid running back, but he's not going to get it done. You put Derrick Henry on that offense, because I think this Buffalo team really only has one, one more year left of being a legitimate contender, because then that, that's when Josh Allen's mega contract starts, and you know guys get old. Jordan Poirier, guys like that, uh, Michael Hyde, they're getting into their 30s. 
Tremaine Edmonds is going to need a new contract. He's a free agent this year. I think Matt Eberflus wants him deep down. I'd love Tremaine Edmonds. He's still only like 23 because he somehow got drafted when he was 19. Don't know how that works, (laughs) but it happened. I think that's what they need. You put Derrick Henry with that passing game, revamp the offensive line, the interior a little more because I think the tackles are good. Deion Dawkins is a Pro Bowl tackle. The right tackle is uh, they got that uh, not rigid. He's like that really tall guy. He's from like a smaller school. Oh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He had a good season. Yeah, he's a solid tackle. He's physical. The inside of that line is a little iffy, you know. Ryan Bates is good enough, but they need a center. They need a left guard, in my opinion. A little more physical of the guys. Right now they have a pass-blocking offensive line. They need a more of a run-blocking line. But also, if you get a guy like Derrick Henry, he he takes away some of that pressure from the run because he yeah. hits the hole so hard. Yeah. So, you know, you can have guys who aren't the best run blockers because he'll help make up for it. I mean, you saw it in Tennessee this year, like yeah. you were saying. If I were the Bills, I'm trading for Derrick Henry. I think that would be a perfect fit. I think so many people were talking about how they should have gone after, like, a guy like Christian McCaffrey. And I think, you know, what – what people didn't realize is that you don't really want to add to that pass game. Teams were already spreading way out yeah. for them. They were they were letting them try to run the ball. If you get a guy who can take attention and make teams fill the box, you're yeah. golden on the outside, and you give up so much more room, and you can have you know a guy like Cole Beasley get the stats he was getting two years ago. Yeah. The reason he wasn't that like position wasn't getting as well, or Gabe Davis was because teams were just ready for it every game. They knew they weren't going to do anything. They knew Josh Allen was going to be the leading rusher every week. So if you get a guy who can take some attention away, opens up the game so much more for that team. That, and they need to get another legitimate wide receiver. I think, personally, you either go receiver or O-line in the first round, you trade your second for Derrick Henry. Because, look, they got Stephon Diggs, right? Other than that, they don't have a legitimate second receiver. Gabe Davis didn't step up like they thought he was going to. Cole Beasley, they had to sign him in the middle of the season out of retirement. They had to re-sign John Brown, who I haven't heard of since 2019. <laughs> they don't. They have Isaiah McKenzie, who they thought was going to get more out of, but he's like a punt returner. He's just a fast slot guy. That will help Josh Allen. You look at all the other teams in the AFC. You know, Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Uh, I know Pat Mahomes' receiving core isn't that great, but they have a lot of good, like number two, number three guys with a Hall of Fame tight end. Mm-hmm. And Andy Reid. And a solid O line. Yes. Best, arguably the best offensive line in the league, other than the Eagles. Creed Humphrey was actually the number one rated center in the league. Believe it or not. I thought it was Kelsey, but it was actually Creed Humphrey. Uh, look at, now look at Jacksonville. Calvin Ridley is a 1,200 yard receiver every year that he's played. He Evan, just hasn't played in a while. Evan Ingram had a really good season. Evan Ingram's a, one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. Christian Kirk was worth the money, believe it or not. Zay Jones, great year, stepped up. We thought we they he, they overpaid him as well. They didn't. Still have Marvin Jones. You have four legitimate receivers and a good, very good receiving tight end with ETN who can catch the ball in the backfield. They need more weapons for Josh Allen, and they need a run game. Uh, before we take a quick break here, we got about like five more minutes. I wanted to talk about the last two players that had some news coming out of free agency today. Uh, first, let's talk about Daniel Jones and his deal with the New York Giants. Exactly, Josh, what are your thoughts on this deal? He switched agents before he did this. He found himself a great agent, first and foremost. If you look at his stats through the first four years, they're basically identical to, to the GOAT, Mitch Trubisky. 
So it's kind of amazing that after the season that he had, they did get forty million a year. Now seeing that it's only eighty million guaranteed, so it's okay, twenty million a year. I'm cool with that. Lots and lots of incentives. I like that. I'm good with that. Learning that information, we when I first saw four for one sixty, I thought that was absolutely insane. Now that's four for eighty with incentives, which you want him to get incentives. That means he's playing great, and your team's going to do well. I'm fine with it. I can live with it. I didn't think he deserved more than 20 mil a year just based off how his career has gone. I thought he should have been a guy that played under the franchise tag and earned it next year. I'm fine with the deal they gave him. If it's 20 mil a year incentives, I'm fine with that. Josh, do you think this signing for the Giants was the best move for them, especially with these two upcoming years of quarterback drafts? And do you think that Daniel Jones has any more room to grow as a player? Um... I think <clears throat> I think it was a good signing for them so they don't have to worry about giving up anything to really get a quarterback. They could possibly just load up on receivers, defense, anything they need on defense, anything they need on offense other than a quarterback, so like receivers, tight end, O-line, whatever, um, possibly another running back if how we talked about Safecon holds it out. Um, and then, you know, fill up the defense. Um but it's funny that we're talking about this and I'm, you know, scrolling on Twitter and looking at it. You know, they're saying that it's a four-year deal, but if he plays terrible, it's really a two-year deal. Um, and, I mean, I did see another thing that he threw 15 touchdowns last season and Russell Wilson threw 16. And, mind you, Russell Wilson had a huge contract, right? And now, you know, Daniel Jones has this type of contract – for the type of player he is. So with that being said, no, I don't think he has any more room to grow. I think he's going to give us flashbacks of last season continuously, I believe. But I don't think he's going to improve. Um, but I honestly agree with you know that statement that it is a four-year deal. But if he plays bad, it's a two-year deal. And yeah. then I think the, you know, the Giants eat whatever they have to eat on the rest of it and just get rid of him and then like trade or draft a you know quarterback if they're doing bad in the standings whatever the case may be but um yeah i mean i think this was probably the best option for them because like i said they can load up on you know a lot more targets for danny and you know possibly tweak their defense whatever they have to do i mean brian dable correct head coach great great head coach you know i mean he's gonna work with what he works with He's going to work with Daniel perfectly and then adding to the roster defensively, offensively-wise. It's just going to make them a pretty good, you know, Giants team again. And I think they will go farther, um, not maybe one round farther than they were this year in the playoffs. Um, but it, it's just going to take some time. You know, it doesn't mean that even though they go one round farther, they're going to, you know, start to, oh, count your time, Danny. Like, you need to... We need a Super Bowl, you know, like it's not going to be like that type of thing. But it's like if he can consistently get the team there on a positive, you know, over at least 500 or over 500 record, then they're not going to care paying him the, you know, the last two years, you know, like, all right, you, you've done it consistently. Now let's just try and push it a little bit farther, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was good for them. But now I think they have to worry more about Saquon right now because, you know, they got the whole Daniel Jones talk out of the way. 
But right now, their focus, I think, needs to be on Saquon and a little bit of the draft, but Saquon for sure. Uh, and then going over to Lamar Jackson, uh, the Ravens franchise tagged him um, non-exclusively, non-exclusively uh, which means, as Sackley was explaining before, that uh, teams will have to basically trade two first-round picks if they want to sign him. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there are any teams out there that would be willing to pay that tax of two first-round picks? And do you think the Giants gave Daniel Jones this contract because Lamar Jackson got that franchise tag put on him? Um, right now, I don't think there are teams that desperate. Maybe Carolina or, um, you know, what was it? the Jets maybe if they're – if the talks with Aaron Rodgers aren't going good, the Jets are in a, Jets are in a dangerous place now because Derek Carr. I thought who they should have went. Now that's not an option. Danny Jones isn't an option. If they don't get Rodgers, they're stuck with Zach Wilson once again. Yeah. So I mean, like he only has a couple spots because the Commanders, Falcons, Dolphins. I think those were the only three teams. I think there's uh, one more. The Falcons, Dolphins, Panthers, Commanders, and Raiders are all out on. Well, there you go. The Panthers are out. So, I mean, they're all out, which is, like, shocking because, you know, the Falcons and Commanders were the two teams that we were for sure thinking that he was going to end up on. But now with them out, plus the addition of the um, Panthers, et cetera, whatever, um, it's hard, you know, because I I think you're right. I think no team is willing to give up two first-rounders. For a non-exclusive tag worth what, thirty-two million, right? Uh, for a guy who's been injured the past two years, basically all all both years. Yeah, and the times he does get in games, they're not impressive at all. I want to I want to say he's been bad when he plays, but it's not MVP Lamar Jackson anymore. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I I agree with that statement a little bit more. Um, I feel some of that has to do with Greg Roman not adjusting his scheme. Once they figured out he the scheme from year 2019 they've made zero adjustments as well as not having legitimate receivers around him i feel he'd, he'll do much better in the todd munkin system now that he has a legit passing scheme and now that jk dobbins will be healthier and getting ronnie stanley back full-time that will help if they can go out say they just he plays on the franchise tag and they get a receiver with their first round pick he learns in the Todd Munkin system. I think Lamar Jackson will have a much better passing season. Yeah, so, I mean, if something like that were to happen, that'd be probably a good thing for for um, the Ravens, especially with the talks of, like, how we said Ezekiel Elliott maybe going there. Um, but other than that, I mean, I feel like Lamar wants out. They, I think once he's – I feel like he saw the Roquan deal and was like, get me out of here, bro. And, and the fact that I think you talked about it when we were walking, he doesn't have an agent. Sackley was talking about that. Yeah, it's, it's him and his mom, basically. Like, what, what is Cost that about? in the draft. That's why he slid. They didn't have anyone to talk to except for him and his mom. It's just like in these contracts, we're talking about like literally like business law. Like contracts, like you have to go to school for that. They have no experience in that. So I don't know how they expect how they're going to gain edge in negotiations. When all they're doing is like, look at what Deshaun Watson got paid. That's literally all they have in negotiations. I, I don't see him getting a deal. I think he's going to play on the franchise tag or he's going to get traded. That's what's going to happen. They kind of screwed him over with that non-exclusive. Not going to lie. 
And I, I think they did that on purpose. I think they were looking to screw him over with that. I think they've been, you know, mad about all this drama that's been going on with him all season when he's not even been on the field. The Ravens have had a very tumultuous couple months. He had, like, six or seven players calling out the organization. Rashad Bateman, former players, because, you know, they got the report card came out and they had an F for strength coaches. And all these former players saying, oh, yeah, this guy, you know, made my career two years short. And that we could be seeing that with guys like Rashad Bateman, who hasn't been on the field. Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. You know, they had 25 injuries that one year in 2020. Mm-hmm. Marlon well, Humphrey's been in and out of the lineup. Marcus Peters, all these guys, these are their best players, and they can't stay on the field, and there's got to be some correlation there. Um, we are going to take a quick break here. Before we take the quick break, I want to give out one more shout-out. Geno Smith, way to get that extension. I love that man. He deserved it. I don't know if he's still going to be good next year, but we'll see how it goes. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show with Big Chuck, Sackman, and Senor Diaz. Only on WRSE. How's it going, folks? Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. If you are just tuning in, you missed us talk about the NFL Combine and some of the stuff that's been happening in pre-free agency right now. We are going to move on, and we are going to start off this hour with our weekly draft. This week, Sackley had a great idea. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, for my idea of this week's draft, we're going to do the top. Each of us is going to do top three uh, biggest or best sports what-ifs. You want to start us off? I'm going to start out with my number one sports what if. What if Derrick Rose never got hurt? Yeah, that's, I mean, you saw that MVP season. And that was potential Bulls dynasty, playoffs. potential LeBron not even getting a ring in uh, Miami because the year D-Rose got hurt, we beat them three times in the regular season. We had the best record in the NBA, well-oiled machine. You know, we had a healthy Rip Hamilton, Joakim Noah, Wall Dang, Boozer, Gibson, all the boys, Ronnie Bruhaha. It's only in another life we would have known. Josh, what's your first round pick for this one? I'm going to do what if Bo Jackson's hip had actually held up? You know, I think if it would have held up, I think he would have went Hall of Fame in both baseball and football. Mm-hmm. Like he he would have been the probably the greatest player ever. I suggest go watch the 30 for 30 about him. Oh, uh, I saw it already. It's fantastic. Beautiful 30 for 30. It's just what a story. What an athlete. That man, I mean, technically he has the fastest 40-yard time, according to a lot of people. But my first-round pick, uh, this is kind of just as a Bears fan, uh, Johnny Knox getting hurt. If he hadn't uh, had the neck injury, which is just gruesome, he was fantastic those first two seasons. Out of a guy that was a mid-round pick, you know, a lot of people didn't think he was going to get drafted. Uh, the Bears took a chance on him, and he was just phenomenal. He was you know, all-pro as a rookie, uh, played well that second season, and then the injury happened and just yeah. derailed his entire career. It was awful. He was, I mean, second season led us on a playoff team, went to the NFC Championship, 960 yards. That second year, he was on a roll, and then he just got hurt. I remember he had like 120 yards and a touchdown in the game before, and Cutler was still in. He had like 103 or 400-yard games with touchdowns, even that crazy – Back of the end zone grab against the Chargers that I still remember vividly. I mean, he, the man had legit four two four three speed, and he was six foot. He could have been a player. Mm-hmm. What's your second round pick, exactly? I'm a little torn on this. I gotta go just because of what. There's so many different 
things that could have happened as well. What if the Seahawks hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch and he scores? Do this. Russell Wilson's a two-time Pro Bowl, I'm a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champion. But Tom Brady and the Patriots. This is when you know. This is the after they draft Jimmy Garoppolo. Around this time is when Bill Belichick actually wanted to move on to Tom Brady. So does Tom Brady leave? And this would have been the third straight Super Bowl that Tom Brady would have lost. So does that mean Tom Brady might not have even been ended up being the goat? He could end up leaving New England way earlier than what he did. Five years earlier than what he did. Uh, this changes the this and the Seahawks are now officially in a di- dynasty. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is probably named MVP of the game. And this is just the end of the Patriots dynasty because when they went on, that was their Super Bowl. They won two others after that. Does that whole dynasty end? Does the Chiefs one start earlier because there is no Brady in the AFC when they beat him in the AFC Championship game at home this first year? Just so many different things that could have happened. Josh, your second pick. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit off of football and go basketball what if mj hadn't retired for the first time um i mean you know when when he retired um you know there were a couple championships that were won and i mean the bulls weren't very good obviously because mj was really like the sole player and um obviously he did baseball and whatever but you know if he didn't retire he probably could have had a dynasty like the celtics you know, not as many as, you know, Bill Russell. But he could have been up there uh, with Bill Russell, you know, having, you know, 9, 10, you know, because he, had, he had the first repeat, he retired and then came back and had the other repeat. He could have had nine. In my opinion, it, him being the dominant force he was and, you know, you know, him having the voice he had back then especially with you know jerry and whatever and whatnot and being like we need this person that person whatever kind of like this whole thing was like lebron now like oh we need to get this person on the team stuff like that like he honestly could have had nine maybe even more we you know we won't know uh with my third round pick i'm gonna stick in basketball as well um this is one that's just more personal to me what if Kawhi had stayed with the raptors after that one championship. I think, you know, from my perspective, that quiet year was one of the single best, like, single-player seasons I have ever personally seen. That, like, not many players did what he did for that Raptors team in that one season. And you think about the next year was the COVID year and, you know, the bubble championship that everybody calls is a fraudulent year. The Raptors probably could have gone and won that if they still had Kawhi Leonard. They had 50-plus wins that year in a shortened season. They were still – they were the two-seed – they probably would have won it again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about the next year, maybe the Bucks wouldn't have been as dominant in the Eastern Conference if the Raptors still have a Kawhi Leonard there. And there's a lot more competition there for the Bucks that season. Um, I think, you know, this Raptors franchise could have just been a dynasty if Kawhi Leonard had decided to stay with that team. Sackley, your final pick of this draft? I was going to go with Len Bias, but I've always said this for years, so i got to say it. What if Jay Cutler did not break his thumb for the 2011 Bears? This team was 7-3, five-game win streak. They had the old Bears' dominant defense with, you know, all the boys, Erlacher, Briggs, Tillman, Peppers, Donage, Henry Melton, Major Wright, Chris Conti, who was good that year before he turned bad, Tim Jennings. All the boys we grew up with, that dominant 4-3 Rod Marinelli defense. 
with an offense who in those five games was averaging over 30 points a game. With our boy Johnny Knox, Matt Forte had a Pro Bowl year. The offensive line was very makeshift, but they were actually playing kind of well. With the old Bears defense and all of a sudden a resurgent Mike Martz-led offense with Devin Hester returning kicks because he had like three or four that year. This Bears team could have made some noise. Josh, your last pick of this draft? Hmm. I'm trying to think about this one, man. You go, you go, you go. Well, I guess Josh is trading his pick back <laughs> yeah. in this draft. Um, I'm going to go one. I'm going to go another Bears uh, one here, just being a Bears fan. What if we took Patrick Mahomes over Mitchell Trubisky? What if we didn't trade off for Mitchell Trubisky? Win the Super Bowl in 2018. By far win the Super Bowl in 2018. Not right? even close. Uh, we probably are much more competitive the next few years. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes is very quickly rising up the ranks of the greatest quarterbacks, maybe even the greatest players of all time. Um, and I think by the end of his career, he's probably going to end up being the best quarterback of all time, maybe even the best player of all time. Um, and... It just pains me every time I see somebody mention it on Instagram. It's every time. It's not even the Bears couldn't even be a part of it. It's just, you know, Patrick Mahomes is doing good in Kansas City. Darn it. What if the Bears took him? Oh, the Bears should have taken him. The Bears should have probably wouldn't have been as good. (laughs) I mean, just how dysfunctional the front office and coaching staffs have been for the past. That one year of John Fox's offense would have just killed him. Just killed him. I mean, it killed Trubisky, so it killed everybody. (laughs) Trubisky never stood a chance, that poor guy. (laughs) He literally like, wasn't even allowed to throw the ball his rookie year, despite like completing 80% of his passes whenever he threw it. And then he had Nagy. <laughs> he stood no chance. Josh, you got your pick now? Yep. What do we got? What if Sammy Sosa never took drugs? You know, performance-enhanced drugs. I think he probably would have been one of the greatest baseball players to ever do it. I mean, you could say the same thing, like, what if Barry Bonds didn't do it? If I had a fourth pick, that's what it would have been. What if Barry Bonds hadn't taken it? Yeah, so, I mean, like, Sammy Sosa was a legend, Cubs legend, and I I loved him, you know, growing up, and being older and, you know, knowing what performance-enhancing stuff is and whatever, like, he would have been probably the greatest baseball player ever because he was such a dominant force. I mean, I think just Barry Bonds in general, I, I've always thought this, is that Barry Bonds was the best baseball player of all time. And if he hadn't taken the steroids, he would be considered the best baseball player of all time right now. He didn't need the steroids. When you watched him when he was younger and you watched those highlights, that man was rocketing balls. You know, he was still one of the fastest players in the league. He played good defense. He made contact. That's And that's the other thing for, like, my case for, like, a guy in Barry, like Barry Bonds making the Hall of Fame. A guy like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, they were pure power. And that was directly from the steroids. Barry Bonds could hit 320 still. Guys don't just do that. And, yes, he probably had inflated home run numbers because of that. But that man was still hitting the ball. He was still able to see the ball. That Steroids don't affect that. His speed may have been a little bit better, but he was still one of the fastest, most athletic players in the league, like, without the steroids. Just that one little, you know, asterisk on his career, though, yeah. ruins it. Yeah. All right, folks, that was our draft. Uh, We'll post something on our Instagram story. You guys can vote and tell us who you think won that draft of what ifs. Next up, we're going to move on over to the XFL for a little bit. Uh, As we've been doing weekly, we want to give you guys a rundown of the brand-new league. Uh, I would say this was the best week we've had in the XFL so far. Sackley, you want to start off with your guys, St. Louis? 
Yeah, I mean, this was by far the best week. It was the highest scoring week. I mean, we had three, maybe even four really good games. I mean, as we see here, three of them. We started off a very entertaining game with the Sea Dragons versus the Vipers. The Vipers' offense actually showed signs of life. And then Ben DiNucci, who we've all been saying, Arthur McCarron is the best quarterback in this league, played like he should have. He had four touchdowns, two to Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon being in this league is kind of a cheat code. Despite all this time, all those suspensions, all the time off football, the age, he still can go out and dominate. It just really makes you think, especially on the last touchdown he had, what could have been. I mean, the man in his second year in the league had led the league in receiving with 1,600 yards in 14 games. It's really what could have been. It's quite amazing. As we go to my Battle Hawks, it was a hard-fought game against the D- D.C. Defenders. I feel this game really kind of showed that the defenders are now really multiple in what they can do on offense. We said through the first two games they're only a running team. I said personally they should stick with D.R. King more, but Jordan Tommy was slinging the ball around. Lucky Jackson had a lot of big plays. He looked good. I mean, you still got D.R. King, you know, running his zone read and all that, and they have the best offensive line league, in my opinion, with their run game. With Abram Smith and Raquel Armstead. Armstead did fumble twice. That is something to monitor, but other than that, it was a very hard-fought game. Uh, Michael Joseph had yet another interception. Pick six, I think, is there for right now. He is my defensive player of the year. Somehow it was on the Bears for four years and didn't play a game. I don't know how that is, but he looks like, you know, Deion Sanders in the XFL. We go to the Renegades and Guardians. The Guardians' offense is still dreadful. Even after cutting Quinn Dormandy, who was giving other teams plays, as Chuck was saying earlier, that could have been The Rock doing some WWE stuff where he wired him 100K to go do that. But, yeah, the Renegades have, a, in my opinion, the best defense in the league. It's just their offense is terrible. Our boy, you know, the Sloat Goat, Cal Sloter, <laughs> he didn't really live up to expectations. And then we finished off the Roughnecks and Brahmas. And since, worth noting, since the XFL started, the Roughnecks have not lost the game, and they've won more games since, more games than the Texans since the XFL started with seven. So maybe the Roughnecks could beat the Texans. Maybe they'll replace the Texans. You know, they're yeah. kind of similar uniforms. Wade, Let's switch them out. Wade Phillips is—he means business. He may be, you know, eighty and you know, not there mentally, but he's still Wade Phillips. Uh, one of the biggest things from this week, and I guess like we had been kind of downplaying Ben DiNucci's play, and like it's just kind of when you look at the box scores of these games, you're like, wow, these guys are not playing that well. But Ben DiNucci's leading the league in passing yards by almost a hundred yards. Uh, he's tied for the most touchdowns, and he only has three picks. He's seven touchdowns to three interceptions. And I know the fumble issues have been an issue, but that's been a, across the league. The fumbles have been an issue for players. Um, you know, if you had to pick your MVP for the XFL based on, you know, three weeks into the season, who are you picking? I heard you say your defense player of the year, but I want to know that MVP. I mean, the best two teams are the, the – Roughnecks and the defenders, but you can't give it to really anyone on the DC's offense because they have two running backs that split it, they have two quarterbacks that split it. Tom really didn't do anything prior to this game, so you can't give it to him either. Uh, I mean, Brandon Silvers does give some reps away to Cole McDonald, but McDonald really hasn't done anything. Sivers has played pretty well. I mean, if we're just talking, I'd have to probably give it to Josh Gordon. I mean, just because, yeah, Danucci, he is leading the league in multiple categories, but he lost them that game week one. 
that terrible interception through two picks, and he fumbled on the goal line and some on that wacky play. So I can't really give it to him. I think Josh Gordon, I mean, I thought he's been the best receiver in this league. And that performance he had in week three, I mean, that's the best we've seen. I mean, if Jordan Tomlin keeps playing like that and the defenders keep winning, I'd give it to him. And Brandon Silvers, the quarterback for the Roughnecks, hasn't really impressed me much. You know, he kind of has, you know, 200 yards, two picks, two touchdowns every game. And they barely get over 20 points in the first game. So I think I'd give it to Josh Gordon at this point. No one has really stuck out, so I'm just going to give it to, you know, a guy who really I think shouldn't be dominating. He's way older than everyone. He's had all the layoffs, everything. I'm going to give it to him because he basically won them a game. That's the first offensive player I've seen go and win them a game. Josh, who's your MVP of the XFL this season? Um, getting to him right now. Uh, Max Borgie from the Roughnecks, that running back. I, I really like him. He runs hard every game. He, you know, in my opinion, he carries that team. Bo- they they utilize both quarterbacks, which helps them win a lot because both quarterbacks have their own play style. One of them actually rushed in for a touchdown. He was a big body. Um, but I like Max Borgie as my MVP of the XFL. Um, you know, game every game day, he's, you know, playing hard, playing fast, playing physical, and I really like him as an MVP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, before this week, I was on the Jack Cohn hype train. He was doing really well, and then he did really bad this week. <laughs> um, so it kind of knocked him out of the running for me. Uh, Josh Gordon had the first 100-yard receiving game uh, for a player this season. Max Borgie has also been the best running back in the league. I think you guys had great picks. Um, honestly, if I had to give it to anybody, though, I think A.J. McCarron has just kind of been the face of the league since this league has started, and he's yeah. been playing like he's the face of the league. Um, you know, he's also been, like, the person that's just standed out as a player. Uh, you know, even if it's been a bad thing, like him criticizing the refs after this past game, um, which I just love that players are doing that. It's just it makes it feel nice that the refs are finally, you know, getting some discredit, even if it's only in the XFL. Um, if if I had to pick anybody right now, I think I'd pick AJ McCarron. It's a good pick. Yeah. I, I agree with you. His you know, stats like, have been pretty well. Yeah, and even though they took a loss this week, those first what two games they played, like those were impressive. I mean, he had legacy drives in those games. I mean, he came back down twelve with a minute left. Yeah, and he kind of forgot about him a little bit, but yeah, I'd give it to him. Yeah, and he he proved why you know St. Louis like why St. Louis drafted him, and like he had really great performances those two games. Mm-hmm. Despite playing behind the worst offensive line I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, looking back, and I probably should have gave it to him, but I'm fine with Josh Gordon. <laughs> um, you know, sticking with just week three now, though, who is your offensive player of the week for week three? I gotta go with Tom. He really impressed me. I mean, he was throwing the ball down the field the whole game. He did some good things in the run game as well. I saw multiple 10 yard carries. I don't know how many yards he had specific, but, you know, they went out, they scored 34 points, which is the most out of any team in this league. And I thought he just really played well start to finish. I'm gonna give it to Jordan Tom. Josh, who's your offense MVP? My Vegas Vipers, Brett Hundley, you know, he stepped up. They benched Luis Perez, thank God, and, I mean, he stepped up. Yeah, he didn't come out with the win, but he performed. His performance was way better than Luis Perez's first two weeks, and I think, you know, going forward with Brett is 
the move that the Viper should do, but he, overall he had a really great performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, my offensive MVP is going to go to Brandon Silvers. Um, I think he had a fantastic week. He almost threw for 300 yards uh, in a league that you know barely has any notable wide receivers besides Josh Gordon right now. Um, he played out of his mind, and even though I was just hyping up A.J. McCarron for MVP, this is probably my number two, and I think he played like it this week. Uh, secondly, your defensive MVP. It's Michael Joseph. I mean, leads the league in picks, said multiple pick sixes. He's a difference maker out there. I mean, you can see him on every drive. He's been, even with the, other than the, the interceptions, he's also been pretty locked down as well. He's not like a Trayvon Diggs type that's going to make a lot of plays but give up a lot of plays. I think he's really stood out. I haven't really seen a D lineman that's really stuck out to me, so I'm going to go with him. Josh, who's your uh, defensive MVP? Aging Harris from the Roughnecks. He had a real, he had a really nice game. Um, he had that nice pick uh, that we talked about before we came back on. Um, you know, he did have some calls against him multiple times, but overall, he had a really nice game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys picked, you know, my one and two for defensive player of the week. Both those guys were fantastic. Gene uh, Harris, that interception was just insane. Wasn't even looking, and then kept running forward with the ball in his hands like he knew it was there the whole time, like he knew yeah. that was what was going to happen. It was crazy. Um, and, you know, the D, the D-backs in this league, I think, right now are the best players over the entire league. I like, agree with it's that. It's really fun to watch these defensive backs play. They look like they're having the most fun. I think, you know, playing defensive back is one of the hardest positions in football, and they're making it look easy right now. Um, you know, going on with Donkey and Big Man of the Week, we usually don't, you know, always keep these to the league we're talking about. Uh, my Donkey of the Week, I'm going to start us off with this one, is Ja Morant. I think Ja Morant is completely derailing his career as we speak. This man is bringing guns into clubs, flashing them on Instagram live in front of his entire team, in front of all the fans that look up to him. Uh, he was already in a you know legal battle for beating up a 17-year-old and flashing a gun at that kid. And then is now also under uh, uh, suspicion of bringing a gun onto the team plane. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a 50-game suspension if he did. Uh-huh. And they, there's no proof that's him yet. They just know that there was a gun on the team plane. They, they don't know who that. brought it in. But based on the other two things that have come out recently, it's looking pretty likely it was him. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anybody even close to this man to be the donkey of the week, uh, besides maybe the one other guy who's been messing with guns that I'm sure one of you guys will I was bring just up here. About to, I was just about to talk talk about him. Um, Joe Mixon. He's like um, Todd from Breaking Bad at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he shot, what, a 7-year-old? Or, like, some kid 11 playing year old. with Nerf... 11-year-old playing with Nerf guns? And they got video of the gun going off. Like... There's, there's an audio recording of it going off. Like, why are you shooting at an 11-year-old in a gated community playing with a Nerf gun? I can understand if there wasn't an orange tip on the gun, but most Nerf guns, they're bright yellow, they're colored, and you're shooting at an 11-year-old? Yeah. Exactly. Who's your donkey of the week? John Morant. I just, I don't understand why he's doing this. He did not grow up in this environment. He grew up with a tremendous father. His father built him a basketball court in his backyard. He'd invite the whole town over and they'd have a barbecue in the backyard together. He went to a private high school. He was not in this environment. He went to Murray State. It's in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. 
He's one of the more beloved players in the NBA. He, when Kyrie did what he did, and they had to find someone to get a new shoe deal, who did they go to? John Moran, $200 million shoe deal. Max NBA contract from the Grizzlies as well. For the life of me, I can't understand why he's doing this. Why would you do this? It's just he's a star that's well-liked in the NBA. He's not one of those stars that, you know, isn't like like Russell Westbrook can go out and do all this great stuff, but everyone's just going to still bash him. Julius Randle can go out and have one of the most impressive seasons we've ever seen. Heaven hasn't been done since Larry Bird, and people still want to boo him at home. He's one of those stars that's in the good graces of the NBA and the fans. And he goes out and he does this for absolutely no reason at all. This is just truly bizarre, and he is derailing his career. He's probably not going to play the rest of the year. Grizzlies title hopes now out of the... Yep. They had a legit shot at, you know, maybe making it to the finals. A little more so before the trade deadline, but they still had a, a shot. They're a team that you can't can't rule out. Not anymore. John could lose, you know, he's going to lose a lot of sponsorships. He might lose the Nike deal. He's, I don't understand this. He needs to figure it out. Go call Allen Iverson, talk to him about stuff like this. Can't continue. Mm-hmm. Give and me like, Derrick Rose's knees back. <laughs> John Morant got the knees that Derrick Rose was supposed to get. <laughs> Life is cruel. Give him back. Um, and, you know, you think about, like, Allen Iverson and, you know, other guys that have been in the situation, like a Gilbert Arenas and Latrell Sprewell. All these guys that are kind of in the same boat as John Morant right now. All those guys grew up with nothing. That's what they knew. Yeah. Like, that's out, at least understandable. Go this out is and read just the bizarre. Allen Iverson's biography. What he grew up with was not a stable home, not a family that like was really there for him, uh, you know. And there's other guys that you're looking at that are like Derrick Rose and the Jimmy Butlers that fought so hard to get out of that. They were homeless. Yeah. Derrick Rose grew up in Inglewood. That's like the most dangerous place in Chicago. Jimmy Butler was sitting on the streets of Houston for his teenage yes. years. They, his mom kicked him on the house because she didn't like the way he looked. For Christ's sake. Like these are these are guys that are working so hard to change that lifestyle that they had grown up in, and John Moran is trying so hard to put himself into that lifestyle for no reason. Literally, that's, that was just what I was about to say. Like he's trying to make be it out this, of the NBA. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's trying to create this narrative that all of these people are flaming him for, when his dad gave him everything he needed to be successful, but he's he's wanting to be this like. Oh, I grew up off the streets. Like I got grills in my mouth, this and that, whatever. Like he's trying to create this narrative that all of these people are saying that he wants to be, and he's trying to make it a reality. And he's only making himself look stupid. Like, it, bless you, bless you, Jesus. <laughs> like he's ruining his own life slowly, and. Not even slowly. He's doing it at a rapid pace. It's very fast very, over the course of two it. weeks. He's yeah, like, like he's doing it so rapid. And what you said, fifty game suspension for the gun. Yeah. And now the shoe deal's probably out of out of the talks. I wouldn't like, keep him for Nike. What like I'd probably go beg for Kyrie. <laughs> I'd go back and beg for Kyrie. Because at this point, he actually has come to a realization with, you know, his inner peace, whatever the case may be, I'm going back to Kyrie and paying him the money. I mean, they already slapped. All they did was slap Jaws' logo on top of the Kyrie's. They're just going to go and make a logo for Jalen Brunson at this point and throw it on top yeah. of this. That's, that's what it's turning into. And, like, Julius Randle deserves the shoe deal. <laughs> um, it's just, this, this is just absurd, like exactly what I was saying. It's, he's, I don't know why he's doing this. 
I don't I don't know what's going through his mind. I obviously his dad is a huge part of his life. I don't know what his dad is telling him to do about all of this. Like it's just it's it's absurd. It really is. I don't I don't understand it. I really don't. Um let's move on to a more positive note. Let's talk about our big man of the week. Josh, who do you got for your big man? I got Andrew Voorhees from the Combine. Um, you know, he was doing his, I believe, three cone drill and he you know, made a wrong step, probably because of the turf or the the step that he made, but tore his ACL completely. Um, obviously, that kind of hurts his draft stock a little bit, but came back on crutches with a leg brace on and pumped out 38 reps in the bench and led all of Lyman in that category. So shout out to him, man. That was really cool to see. Exactly. Who's your big man of the week? I got to pronounce his name for this. I'm going to go with from Northwestern, Eddie. Tomiwa Adebo War. I mean, Adetomiwa Adam. Wait, which one? Adetomiwa Adebo War. It's a mouthful. Oh, yes. Adam Buarwe? He's the one from. Yeah, North the Western defensive that, end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 6'2, 282 to run a 4, 5, 4. Uh, that's a 1.61 10 yard split, which is amazing. 37 and a half inch vertical jump, 10 5 broad jump. At 280 pounds, I mean, that's just incredible. It was, yeah. And top five in bench, too. Yeah, top five on bench with Peter Skronsky, fellow teammate. I think that's just very impressive. I want to try saying his name now. Adetamuia Adetamuia. That's that sounds perfect. I got, bro. His, I got his last name. I don't know if so I got lot his first. Of, name. No, 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 the that first, the first, the, you got that right, bro. I think the first and last time you got that perfect spot on. I like that. Ada Tamiwa, Ada Boaware. It took me, it took me a while to get Giannis's name down. Giannis Ada Kumpo. So I this bad, like potentially two, like two, like how are they this bad when they have two potentially like round two picks on their team? Because they have nothing else <laughs> <Yeah>. besides that. <laughs> like even their running back, that Evan Hole, he produced pretty well at the combine as well. Yeah. They got guys. I don't know what's wrong here. For my big man of the week, I talked about him a little bit earlier. This is a guy that I think I want the Bears to get in one of those middle rounds, but Blake Freeland. Uh, Offensive tackle out of BYU. The man looked like an athletic specimen out there. He is gigantic, ran one of the fastest 40s, looked insane in the uh, three-cone. Just all this, uh, his uh, vertical, like Zach was saying before, 37 inches, two inches away from Kobe Bryant. Like, what out of a six foot eight, three hundred pound man? Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that it doesn't look like he'd be a very good run blocker. He's not able to get low and underneath pads and stuff like that. We don't need that. Braxton Jones has got the run blocking duties. You know, Tevin Jenkins has got the run blocking duties. I want this man to be, you know, the savior on that left side of the ball, maybe even on the right side, the pass block, because the Bears haven't had that in forever. And I think a man of this athletic, you know, nature and size could be one of the best pass blockers in the league. And I think that could be a great pickup for the Bears, and he proved it in the combine this weekend. You know, he looks fantastic, a guy that a lot of people weren't even thinking of. You know, uh, he was down, I think he was the 15th-ranked tackle and has jumped up to top 10 now. So this is a guy a lot of people have eyes on. All right, folks, uh, we are running out of time here. I believe that is going to do it for us tonight. Next week, hopefully, we have our system back up and running at top uh, top speed here. We can get some of these uh, new additions to the show that we had been working on. We'll work on a couple more. We really want to make this show as interactive, as fun for you guys as possible as we 
grow and learn as students of the radio station here. Uh, be sure to go on our Instagram, uh, Blue Jay Boys WRC. Vote for last week's uh, winner from the food battle. Again, it was tacos against country fried steak. We chose tacos. Let us know what you guys would pick on Instagram. Tag three friends. Let us know what you guys would I thought pick. we just chose tacos. It was tacos versus country fried steak, and tacos won. No, I know, but you're saying to re-vote against the two. For the fans. We voted for tacos. Oh. They didn't vote for anything yet. Pick the tacos. <laughs> All right, folks. Again, that's Blue Jay Boys WRSE on Instagram. We'll see you next week.